This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair. Cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show. We're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much caffeine. You roll up some rivers, I'll reference some Raffi. This is the Dave and Shecky Show. Hey there, everyone. Hello. Welcome to episode 17. 17 of the middle-aged cool kids super terrific podcast featuring your pals adrian and barbo i'm barbo damn right you are (laughs) stupid that was stupid anyway um actually i'm shecky he is dave and i'm barbo why i don't know it's like garbo only like uh you want to be a guy alone? drinks a lot in a bar. I see. Hey, Barbo, get over here. Oh. Buy me a drink. Okay. Bretta Barbo. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Brett Barbo. Kind of like Brett Farr, only he has a man's dick. Okay. Stop it. For our friends in Wisconsin, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. Um, our podcast today is about... Bands that should have made it bigger. Um, oh wait, wait! I didn't realize that. I missed a sol- I missed a letter there. What? Oh, Dave. <laughs> David. Are you saying something fresh in regards hey. to uh, rhyming with the Pledge word? Pledge to the flag. Bigger? Hey, okay. cut that out. Anyway, uh, the other day I was editing something for a friend of mine, and I was looking for some music, and the music I wanted was somewhat edgy and cool and maybe not something everyone's heard of um, to kind of, I don't know, try to give it a little something. I mean, the project didn't necessarily need great music. It was great footage, but I, uh, <clears throat> I was really looking for just something it's hard to narrow down, but it was something rocking, but not that everybody knew. And I went down this rabbit hole, and then I just uh, started thinking, well, what are bands that I, you know, love that should have made it, uh, I don't know, should have made it bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever. And uh, so that is the topic for today's podcast. Um now, Dave, since you are, uh, I believe, a music aficionado, an expert, if you will, I will give you uh, the opportunity to give the first band. How many bands do you have? I don't know. I don't really have any bands. Okay, Dave, I told I'm you. I'm just kidding. I got some bands. How many bands? Hold on a second. I got... Uh, don't tell me the bands. I didn't tell you the bands. I'm telling you one a number. I'm giving you a number. Okay. I got uh, one... Oh, well, 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 You're not close enough to that darn mic, I tell I you I got what. a one, two, three o'clock rock. Iggy. You got three bands? No. Hold on. Oh. 
Okay. Four and a half. Uh, Five. Now, these are not just bands that, you know, should have gotten a record deal. No, it's not bands that should have gotten a record deal. I mean, it could be. These are not necessarily bands, but a couple of them are bands, and some of them are solo artists. Okay, all right, that's fine. Musical acts. They're not, you know, they're not, he said, yeah, she said, yeah, rock bands. You know, this is spanning the spectrum here, and uh, some of them are goddamn blues artists. That's fine. So, I didn't say rock. You know, I, in, you know, you might say, well, why didn't they make it bigger? Well, because they're not playing commercial music potentially. Oh, That's but wait till we're one. talking about the band. I'm just saying, okay. you know, oh, this is quality okay. music, in my opinion, that should have been recognized more than it was. Okay. That's a start. That's exactly what it's about today. Anyway. Um, God damn it, Barbo. All right. I I can't. I just you're you're What? You're, you my attempts to rein you in are just for the benefit of the show. Right, I'm not trying to I got one. Ready? Oh, okay. Boom. Okay, okay, wait a second. All right. <laughs> I guess we're going to start now. Give me your first band that should have made it bigger, Dave. The pretty Things. The pretty things. Oh, okay. The Pretty Things. Okay, I don't know anything about them, but they sound a lot like the Beatles. Well, what you're hearing there yes. is an album that came out in 1968. All right. The same year as Sgt. Pepper. Now, was it before or after Sgt. Pepper? But either way, that's what was happening in England at the time. And I got to tell you, that uh, this here is the first, officially the first rock opera ever recorded. Oh. And it influenced Pete Townsend to then write Tommy, is what legend has. I see. And do you believe the legend? I do believe it, yes. Has he ever admitted to that? I'm not sure about that. I just know that this was out a year before Tommy so either they, it was in the air that bands were working on rock operas or Pete Townsend got an idea. I'm not sure. So Pete Townsend did that before Pink Floyd did that? Like, is it, didn't, weren't all of Pink Floyd's albums, like, theme albums? Maybe not a rock opera, but definitely themed? Uh, they might have been themed. Themes were big 
Which leads me to my comparison. Uh-huh. Uh, another album from 1968 is uh, a theme album called Arthur by the Kinks. Oh. <clears throat> and I think that this album is better than Arthur. Oh. I think this is more revolutionary, more groundbreaking, and more influential than the same thing that the Kinks was doing the same year. And this album is what? What year? No, but we said it's the pretty things, but we didn't say what the album was, I don't believe. Is it called SF Sorrow? Uh, is what it? Does it? What does it say there? It's called SF Sorrow. It says here, the Pretty Things classic album, SF Sorrow, originally recorded at Abbey Road. Exactly. So that's why it sounds like the Beatles, that really loud uh, acoustic guitar. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it sounds very much like... See, that's the thing. The Beatles, the Beatles were popular in America, but it's not like they invented that sound. I mean, that sound was existing in England. There's other bands that oh, were that okay. way, you know what I mean? So the pretty things happen to sound a lot like the Beatles. And uh, this thing is they're just more, they're darker and they're more underground and they're more punk, actually. And you could hear in their music definite origins of punk, as you can in the Kinks. But what I'm saying is these guys are as as influential and as big, I think, in England as the Kinks were. Oh, really? And just somehow they never made it to England, uh, made it really to America. I mean, people know about them here. Of course, I learned about them, you know, years ago, but they're just obscure. It's an obscure thing. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I was going for. Uh, that's fine that they were popular there. And they have an album from the early 70s that actually, like, uh, they kind of, like, like the Kinks. Their sound progressed, so they're like this in the 60s, psychedelic, Beatles-esque kind of acid rock. Right. And then they progressed into more of uh, what bands sounded like in the 70s, how the kinks became more like rock sounding, a little more, uh, uh, just a little more rock, basic rock sound. Right, straight ahead rock as opposed to the psychedelic splashes. Yeah, and then there's even a song on this album, if you hear it, the beginning, it sounds exactly like Queen. And you could see how it could have influenced Freddie Mercury. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, And what was their fate? uh, I don't know enough about them, but I do know that they were on and off playing into the 2000s, but maybe not with the original members. Right. I don't know enough about them to to talk about them at, at length. That's fine. But maybe you got something there. The Pretty Things are an English rock band formed in 1963 in London. They took their name from Willie Dixon's 1955 song, Pretty Thing, a pure rhythm and blues band in their early years with several singles charting in the United Kingdom. They later embraced other genres such as psychedelic rock in the late 60s, with 1968's SF Sorrow being one of the, now this says one of the first rock operas. Yeah. Tommy was a year later. Hard rock in the early 1970s and new wave in the early 1980s. That's it. Hard rock. That's what I was talking about. Hard rock. Classic hard rock, I, I mean, guess. Bad company, uh, if they're hard rock. Despite this, they never managed to recapture the same level of commercial success of their very first release. Yeah, and you got to think, like, well, what's the difference? They're not as prolific as Ray Davies there's not maybe one maybe there's not one particular guy in the band who's like the head leader the chef guy I'm not sure Mm -hmm. and then uh, 
Well, they seem to have an origin exactly like the Rolling Stones. They took their name from a, a blues song, just like Muddy Waters, Rolling, Rolling Stone guys, no more, you know. So the Rolling Stones, pretty things, basically the exact same thing. They may have started a year after the Rolling Stones. Mm. So why didn't they get popular like the Rolling Stones in America? Do they not have a Mick Jagger? Do they not have what? What are they missing? What, what happened? Why are they not as popular as the Beatles, the Stones, the Kinks, the Who, any of those bands? Interesting to me. And if you were to ask those bands about them, I'm sure they would say that they were their contemporaries back in the 60s. Yeah. Very interesting. That's a that's a good one. That's, they do sound very Beatles-ish, but with also that, just a, like you said, a little a little darker. Now, if you want to compare that sound to the kinks I was talking about, a good song to look, listen to is Yes Sir, No Sir off of Arthur from the same year. And why do you want to compare those? They sound... Kind of the same, kind of like anti-authoritarian, like punk, kind of like garage, psychedelic rock vibe. It's not that psychedelic, but it has those ingredients, you know, like, just has that. It's in the air. It was in the London air. Yeah, they were angry, angsty, I guess. I mean, the Kinks are, obviously, the Kinks are a better band. Yes. Ray Davies is a genius I don't even know the name of the guys in the Pretty Things, but would you like to that one album? That one album at that time, and like I said, they do have one from like I think seventy or seventy-one that's really good, just less less uh, groundbreaking. But actually, the music is like grooving. Anyway, back to them. All right. I think that's a great first entry. Yes, I bet you guys didn't hear them. You haven't heard them unless you don't want to tell me about them. Right? <laughs> All right. My first pick is Clover. Oh, Clover. I like a Clover. was an American country rock band formed in Mill Valley, California, United States, in 1967. They are best known as the backup band for Elvis Costello's 1977 debut album, My Aim is True, and four members later forming or joining more successful acts, including Huey Lewis and the News, the Doobie Brothers, Toto, and Lucinda Williams. Clover originally disbanded in 1978. 
I forget how we heard about them. How did we hear about them? Um, Was it on a radio show or something that they just, uh, somebody mentioned it? I feel like I feel like they were brought to our attention at some point in 2011 or I believe we were living in Bodega Bay and I just uh, started listening to it and it's got that feel good jam band sound that I really really love and um, this song Child of the Streets to me should have been a huge hit the whole band sounds so good to me I just can't imagine why they weren't just they weren't bigger how do they sound to you uh they sound like uh, bruce springsteen's first album with uh a guitar virtuoso in the band that's what it sounds like to me would that be nils lofgren no that would be john mcphee no, I mean, and from oh, I Bruce see. Springsteen has no guitar virtuoso. I was, okay, I see. Nils Lofgren is probably a better basketball player than guitarist. <laughs> Sorry, He's adorable. Sorry, Howard. Uh, so, you think John McPhee is a guitar virtuoso? Pretty much, yeah. He's pedal steel. Uh, just don't look at him too closely. That's all I'm saying. Why do you say that? Because I can't tell if he's a man or a woman. You're a terrible person. Who uh, cares? I don't care. I just his said, name don't is look. John. I know what his name is. Just look at his face. Look at his hair. Look at his. Look at everything. Are you saying that this might be the reason why I'm they didn't get bigger? He, what? He looks more feminine than Wayne Newton at 16. Okay, he looks a little Billie Jean Kingish. Remember I'm when not Wayne Newton lie. was 16? You couldn't tell if he was a lesbian or a man. Donk Donk darling, donk I'm ashamed. Oh, no, that that's that picture there is giving him that's making him look like John Mellencamp. That's no, not what he really looks like. He looks right in this picture right oh, here. Look at him there. Okay, in this picture right here, he looks like Billie Jean King and Pat Benatar and Katie Lang. No, may have had a child. And in this one, okay, well, this one he's wearing a dress, Dave. So I don't know what to tell you. Well, he's this, Scottish. It's harder. That's a kilt. He's Scottish. Oh, all right. Now, go ahead and look at another picture of him. I don't know if You might think anymore. he's the drummer for Sly Stone in the 70s. Why? Why does he say that? Does he have a I'm just afro? saying that the drummer for Sly Stone in the 70s also looked like a girl. Well, maybe it was. It wasn't. Oh, okay. Sandy Newmark. Oh, Jesus. is that the one? Uh, it is. Okay. It's the one. I worked for someone who... Now, as he gets older, he's starting to look a little a more manly. If you like Bruce Jenner... All right, but you okay? You know what I think right now. I don't now, know. I'm just, I don't know what he does. I think he's a fine person. I'm just saying, don't look at him too closely. Okay, but what I'm saying is, don't look at me too closely. I, for God's sake, I listened and was interested in your pick, and my pick is now being. No, I like him. I think destroyed he's destroyed because of the way one person happens to wear a dress and look effeminate. He looks feminine, and Huey Lewis supposedly has the largest penis in rock and roll. So, I don't know why that band isn't good, didn't go further. I guess Huey Lewis, with <laughs> such a large penis, left go. the band because he thought he could do it on his own. And guess what? He could. He, Huey Lewis was in Clover. Um, he wasn't singing in that particular song, but he did trade off lead vocals. Um, here's one with Huey. Ain't nobody, oh, nobody's 
So, I mean, he sounds like Huey Lewis, and it's the band sounds amazing, and... Uh, no, it's, it's a very good band. I can't... I, I honestly... I As soon as I even heard about them, I went and started looking at every video or and I could find on YouTube, and uh, I even asked... Where's uh, the problem? Oh, okay. You even asked what? I asked David Lee Roth of Van Halen had they had he ever heard of Clover and they had even played with Clover That's at some weird. sort of a event. Bizarre. So I bet uh, these guys went to fucking school with Sammy Hagar. Is Hill okay. Valley over there? They, you know what? They might have. Got to get to the clock tower. And what is that called? Hill Valley? What was the what was the one in? Uh, it was Hill Valley. It was actually Mill Valley. A little inside joke, inside information there for you. Okay. No, but seriously. Dave's making back to the The reason this band maybe didn't make it was they had too many frontmen. Oh. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. But uh, the songs are great. The songs are catchy. The songs make me want to dance. <laughs> I think they had a pretty large following. Uh, I confuse Clover with Nectar, which is a whole other thing. I don't but know I think Clover had a big, uh, big following in uh, the Bay Area. In the Bay Area, exactly. Yeah. So that's the problem. It was a big following in the Bay Area only. Oh boy, this show is going to work like clockwork because I got a tie-in. Oh, okay. Is, are you ready for your next band? Are we talking about Clover still? Because I got more on Clover. I'm o- I'm done talking with Clover. We spent no, most no, of the time talking with about Clover. John The McAfee's amazing thing about McAfee. Clover yeah? is that they did go on to be Elvis Costello's backing band on his first album, <clears throat> Did you and not hear how his I first introduced ba- this? Yes, and I'm okay. just saying the reason his first album is so good is because the the band is swinging and it's 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 happening. The band is is happening. It's like they hired unknown session musicians who were just actually a band without their lead singer. All right. So uh, this is all true, and I see you're chomping at the bit. So what is your next band, David? I'm bopping at the chip, man. Bop? Okay. <clears throat> Hanson. This next bang. This next video. Okay. This Mexican freak. David? Okay, one second. Uh, you said okay, you yes, so the, the Bay Area. Yeah, okay. Now, San Francisco has a lot of famous bands that came out of there. Okay. But it might have even more unfamous bands that should have come out of there. Okay. Now, here's one that's for the records. Okay. Vinyl records. Come on down to vinyl records. Uh, Cold Blood. Cold Featuring Lydia Pence, who in my book is better than Janis Joplin. I don't want you to be no slave. 
and cold blood and she sounds great the band sounds great it's a huge band yeah like usually when i think of somebody who's got a band that size it's somebody who's got a lot of money all right well the the performance i pointed to is 20 22 years after the original formation of the band 1989 the, the first album i think is from 1969 uh-huh and it's really good album really great uh and they were a horn band in the Bay Area with a lead singer. Basically, they were Tower of Power with Janis Joplin. That's what they are. They, their concerts rival Tower of Power in terms of their horn band quality. And their singer was just insane. They... I don't know exactly why one band gets pushed so much and another band doesn't. I mean, Janis was great, but... I don't see her, Janis Joplin, being a whole lot better or even better than this woman if you look extensively at how she sings. And then uh, the band, I think, is better than Big Brother and the Holding Company. And she's better looking than Janis. So why didn't she make it? Why wasn't she more successful outside of San Francisco? Why for the past 50 years, has she, 40 years, has she just played locally in the Bay Area? Why didn't I hear about her until 2008? Let me just uh, read a little bit from Wikipedia here. <clears throat> Cold Blood is a long-standing R&B horn funk band founded by Larry Field in 1968 and was originally based in the East Bay region of the San Francisco Bay Area. The band has also performed and recorded under the name Lydia Pence and Cold Blood due to the popularity of their lead singer, Lydia Pence. Uh, it says the first the band first came to prominence in 1969 when rock impresario Bill Graham signed them after an audition and they played the Fillmore West in San Francisco. Yeah. Pence has been compared to Janis Joplin and it was Joplin who recommended the audition to Graham. Well, there you go. Um, it says the term East Bay Grease has been used to describe the San Francisco Bay Area's brass horn heavy funk rock sound of the 60s. Like 70s Tower of Power and 80s, yes. Other bands include Tower of Power, Chicago, and Blood, Sweat, and Tears. So, um, you know, you ask about why some bands make it, some bands don't. I honestly feel like it's shady reasons. Yeah, it's, it's she palms didn't sleep with fucking uh, Clive. Uh, what's his name? Davis. Yeah. I, honestly, I really feel like you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. I mean. Uh, when I, I go on uh, crazy... I slept with Bill Graham, but he doesn't have a record company. He just had a, he had a promotional company. When I 
when I go on crazydaysandnights.net and I read all of those uh, blind that, items. madness? Sorry? Was that uh, loudness? The Japanese band? <sighs> and I read all those <laughs> blinds about, uh, you know, stuff that happened back in the day. Stuff yeah. about Don Henley. And oh, Don Henry, very bad man. Yeah, very bad man. A terrible man. And uh, just my own experiences with people... I feel like, yeah, Lydia Pence did not make it. Cold Blood did not make it because they did not grease someone's palm, sleep with someone, give a blowjob, whatever it is. I mean, in our lifetime, we've seen something like that happen to uh, Dice Clay. He annoyed somebody, and the guy who was one of the only comedians to ever sell, sell out Madison Square Garden dis a fucking disappeared disappeared well so i yeah that he came shit back goes on. he he came back but at what cost of his lifetime of making money he you know what i mean and i i feel like this video of lydia pence and cold blood from 1989 um check out their album from 1969 their first album anyway it's what fucking i'm fucking rocking what do you say I feel like this album, or this this performance from 1989, other than being great uh, musically, if you if you're watching it, you see that there's just a ton of people in that band. And yeah, yeah. if you know anything about you know traveling and performing, when there's 20, 30 people on the stage, that's 20, 30 people that have to get paid. So that's a benefit they're playing there too. So what's that about? I just I mean, feel that's like out of the ordinary, but. they must make a good amount of money in the Bay Area or they're all working for the love of it because that's well I do know that even to this, in this day and age in the San Francisco Bay Area in that genre of music there's a couple of bands that are getting big gigs and all the rest don't get big gigs maybe a hand there's a handful of them Cold Blood still ha- is one of those bands they have Donnie Baldwin on drums who was the uh, drummer for Jerry Garcia Band uh, and also for Starship. Donnie Baldwin broke, uh, what's his name's face? Fractured his face. The guy who sings Fooled Around and Fell in Love. Elvin Bishop? That's the band, but the lead singer, Mickey Thomas. Oh. Danny Baldwin fractured his face so badly that he needed, like, you know, reconstructive surgery. Why? What's the story uh, behind that? Drugs, uh, drugs and alcohol, and touring, and and band fights, fighting mm. on stage, and then fighting off stage, and uh, that's just a whole side story of Donnie Baldwin. By the Donnie way, Donnie Baldwin was kicked out of Starship because of that incident. Anyway, oh. mm-hmm. he now plays drums with the Cold Blood. But what I'm saying is, like, you don't play with Cold Blood unless you're like a little bit on the higher echelon. You're not. They're, they're one of those bands. Elvin Bishop is another band. There's a handful of bands in San Francisco. I'll talk about another one in a second. Uh, and these are great, great players. But somehow they're just just local phenoms, basically. Phenoms. 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 Like how, how is it that no one on the East phenoms. Coast really has heard of cold blood? It's just stupid. And I lived out in the San Francisco Bay Area with you for a few years, and I... I don't, I don't know this band, but I only know about him because the musicians I'm playing were playing out there, played with her or knew her or idolized her. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean that band is that's a a, 
a tight sounding performance live horns she sounds good the place is crowded i mean like you said it's a benefit but still they, people were enjoying the shit out of themselves there so yeah uh, and they, and then they play casinos and fa- fairs and festivals now they're on that level but you know what i mean they're not like selling out uh theater or theaters or arenas or anything but outside gigs i'm sure they do well yeah yeah but it's you know what i mean it's 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 not stardom. No, it's not stardom. And again, to have that many people in a in a band when you're not making, you know, sixty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for the gig, it's impressive. Anything else about Cold Blood? Hey, no, that's about it. All right. Well, my next band um, is kind of like the pretty things in that they were popular in England and the popularity just it just didn't come here it just didn't for whatever reason and my pick is my beloved Slade a little brief history of me um back in the 80s i uh i was working at a radio station in randolph new jersey wmhq 15 10 a.m uh and i would work there uh, odd hours i had gotten the job because i had uh, been a graduate of the connecticut school of broadcasting and I would work there at weird hours, do, you know, menial tasks, nothing great at first. And uh, the mail would come in and I would, part of my, my duties was to just go through the mail and deliver it to wherever it needed to be. Now there are companies out there, record labels that will just send records to a radio station regardless of what kind of radio station it is. Now this was an oldie station at the time. so. Uh, I could basically keep any records that we got that weren't oldies. We already had all the records we needed for the oldies. So one of these records I got was a a 1987 Slade record. And uh, I forget the name of the record. I think uh, You Boys Make Big Noise or something like that. And uh, It came out in 1987? I believe it came out in 1987. And... uh, or we boys make big news. I forget, but it was, it was, I played it and I loved it immediately. And, you know, there was no Google. 
There was no Amazon. I had then had to go on a search to get more Slade. And uh, I did. I went, you know, went to like, uh, what's the record place in the city? Bob, Bleaker Bob's. And found myself some uh, a Slade CD. I had uh, Slade on cassette. And I just could not get enough of them. They're just so, there's just something so great about them for me. And then, of course, I realized that Quiet Riot was basically just a Slade cover band. I mean, even down to the vocals. It was almost like they were trying to sound exactly like Naughty Holder, the lead singer of Slade. I mean, Mama, we're all crazy now. Come on, feel the noise. Um... I'm trying to think of if there was another one they covered. Did Slade do Fox on the Run? No, that's that's Sweet. I can the sweet. it, though. I don't know why. The Sweet. Um, Which was more popular in America, Sweet? Yes, yeah, Sweet was more popular than Slade. Yeah, I mean, even today, people, like, I'll say Slade, and they'll think I meant Slayer. Well, who does uh, Blitzkrieg Bop? Blitzkrieg Bop, isn't that the uh, Ramones? You thinking oh, Ballroom Blitz. Ballroom Blitz. And that is The Sweet. So I think The Sweet is Slade. I see. So Sweet is more like an anthem rock arena band. The Sweet? And Slade's a little harder, more like a hard heavy so metal band. This is why The Sweet is more popular, because they have also a lot of songs that you've heard that... Uh, so... You, They're sing-along-y. Ballroom Blitz. The Sweet is sing-along-y. They have Fox on the Run. Right. And uh, what was the other one you you named? Uh, eh, sweet. Uh, well, what did we say? I, th- I thought you named another one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's so now Slade to me is more is more. Uh, it's almost like cheerleaders to music or something. There's just something about it that is just. What's that one? Uh, you know how uh, something. You know how I feel. What is it? Something. You know that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a typical. Like that, they have that live version of that song where the whole yeah. audience is like singing along. Every day when I'm away, I'm thinking of you. Everyone can carry on except. to have 
Is that popular in America, though? No. That's what you you only know it from me. That song. Certainly. It's like the whole audience is like, it's like, it's like Robbie Williams or something. There's this, this is, this is the thing. Yes, exactly. In England, when the crowd just starts singing, I can't imagine being in a band in front of a crowd that's that sizable. I bet there was a lot of people in that audience who burnt their thumbs that evening. I I don't, I I don't know. That is from... How long ago was that from? I mean, people... 70, that was from the... 70, I was thinking that's like 78. Sounds to me like... It's on their best of record. 76. It's on their best of you know, record. You know, it's in there. And, you know, another little DLR Van Halen trivia with Slade. I have in my possession a bootleg of Van Halen singing Slade's song... Goodbye to Jane. Here's a little bit of it. So there you go. Slade has been influencing people for decades. Uh, what do they do now? They, uh, I think, I think they still do like you know club gigs in England. They don't come here. Right. They're older. Yeah. Um, and their their most popular song, of course, is the, their Christmas song, "Merry Christmas, Everybody." That's that song has uh, that song is is gets played a lot on Sirius around Christmas time. So in reality, though, their mo- music is most popular in America because of Quiet Riot. I would say yes, but people don't know. People just think it's Quiet Riot. Right. Let me read a little bit from their article on uh, Wikipedia. Kevin <clears throat> Dubrow. Slade are an English rock band from Wolverhampton. They rose to prominence during the glam rock era in the early 1970s, achieving 17 consecutive top 20 hits and six number ones on the UK singles chart. Wow. The British, what were those six number one hits? The six number one hits. What are the seven words you can't say on TV? Okay. The, uh, their, their singles are Squeeze Me, Please Me, my friend Stan, every, every day, far, far away, Merry Christmas, everybody, or Merry Xmas, everybody. Wait, Slade does Chameleon? That's them, yeah. Run, run that away. sounds more like Train or something. No, no. That's why I used it at the beginning of, my, uh, of our other show, oh. way back in the day. I just love, I've loved Slade for years. 
And then they have a song called My Oh My. I don't know any of those songs. Uh, My Oh My is an, another, another slower one. Merry Xmas, everybody, you do know. I guess I know that one. They play the, the, that Christmas song is their most popular song in America, for sure. It gets more play than any one of their other songs uh, in America, is, is my guess. It is ve- a very popular Christmas rock song. Um, yeah, you hear it on the radio. You hear it, uh, you hear it everywhere. But uh, anyway, so as of 2006, total UK sales... Hold on. As of 2006, total UK sales stand at 6,520,000, and their best selling single, Merry Xmas Everybody, has sold in excess of 1 million copies. According to a 1999 BBC documentary, It's Slade, the band have sold over 50 million records worldwide. Yet no one in America, not no one, but they're hardly known in America. And this is really crazy to me because there is not a Slade song that I don't like. There's not a Slade song where I'll be like, oh, I'm going to skip this one. I think they're all great. They're all just, they're just all fun and they're all up. And, you know, I listen to music for different reasons than you listen to music. But one of them, the reasons I, I listen to music is to feel good and I get that feel good feeling as soon as the first note hits i just i just love them i listen to music to plot revolution and skin the jews okay it says here a number of diverse artists have cited slade as an influence including alternative rock icons nirvana the smashing pumpkins pump punk pioneers the ramones the sex pistols the undertones the runaways and the clash Glam metal bands Kiss, Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, and heavy metal bands Twisted Sister and Quiet Riot, of course. And also pop rock stalwarts The Replacements, Cheap Trick, and Oasis. So that's a lot of people that cite them as an influence, I guess, in in biographies or on records. I remember back in the day, it was either Cream or Circus, one of those rock magazines, they had an interview uh, with someone from Motley Crue, and they specifically said they spelled Motley Crue in that weird way as an homage to Slade. Weird. Do you like them at all? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't mind them. They're not very complicated for you, huh? They're not musically... I don't... Uh, They're no cold blood, is that what you're saying? I, 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 uh, okay. I like Father Christmas. Okay. By the Kinks. Oh, okay. We're talking about Slade. I'm just saying, I oh. don't know why I would like that. And I don't like Slade. I, there must be something. I'm oh. trying to figure, well, what is it that I, don't, that I don't identify with? I don't know. We are different musically. That's I mean, just the truth there, of it. They don't have any riffs. They have riffs. They rock out. They got anything like Black Dog? Anyway, let's go on to your next your next band. So far, you've, you've brought us The Pretty Things and Lydia Pence and Cold Blood. So what is band number three? Well, band number three is a family affair. Oh, okay. Now, it's a father-son situation. Well, that's interesting. Now, 
I really wanted to bring to I wanted to bring Shuggy Otis. Shuggy Otis. But you can't mention Shuggy. Okay. Without Johnny. Shuggy and Johnny Otis. Johnny Otis inspired Frank Zappa's beard. Okay. He also is one of the pioneers of rock and roll. I see. Johnny Otis. Yes. And there's a song we should play by Johnny Otis. If you don't mind being offended. Is the name of the song If You Don't Mind Being Offended? No, but I'm sure if you look up Johnny Otis, you can find the one song that I might be talking about. Uh, what is the song? Is it called Signifying Monkey? No, that's a great one, though. No. All right. Well, can you tell me the name of the song? No, because I will be persecuted. All right. Uh... Does it have the N-word in it? <laughs> it does. I believe it's called N-word, please. Yes, that's the one. You're standing in the welfare line Trying to get enough to get back You say you're having a hard time But you're dressed up like Superfly social commentary well okay uh this song is it's awesome <laughs> this is the man who uh popularized willie and the hand jive oh okay signifying monkey now uh this song is from when wow this song's from like 1977 or something but johnny otis goes back to the 40s and 50s and he he's a great vibes player great musician great uh, purveyor of jazz and R&B and uh, he was also a disc jockey who popularized rock and roll for the masses now his beard like I said facial hair supposedly inspired Frank Zappa to have his look okay. and his son Shuggy played with Frank Zappa and Shuggy is famous for being like almost like a child prodigy because he was playing lead guitar in his teens oh okay there's an album with al cooper where Shuggy is just 15 
and Moogie is on that album too. So it's Shuggy and Moogie with Al Cooper. And Moogie, I think, was 18. Who and he was also a prodigy. Uh, Basically, yeah. On the piano. And that's that's an interesting album. Uh, so Johnny has his son, like I said, Shuggy, and then Shuggy had an album around 1974, I think, which is really a very good album in that it has some funk on it that I'm surprised just I'm just surprised that it's so obscure the tune I would point to is Happy Home off of Happy House? Happy House It's a happy house cup of tea no i didn't i didn't enjoy that one i didn't find that to be particularly funky all right it's funky like uh sly stone yeah i I mean i didn't hate it i just i liked the first one i liked the johnny otis to me that was uh that was that was funky-ish johnny otis had more of a revolutionary career he was more prolific he's more of a real real entertainer Shuggy seems to have uh, fallen into obscurity. It might have been a drug thing. I'm not sure. Uh, well, we don't want to speculate. We don't, don't want speculate. to speculate. But I'll tell you one thing. When we were living in Sebastopol, yeah. Shuggy Otis also lived in Sebastopol. Did you and ever see him? I never saw him, but I would hear odd stories about people seeing him at a coffee shop or him around town at a hardware store or something. And uh, I was like, oh, man, if I ever saw him, that'd be fucking weird. I never saw him. Well, we do know what happened when you saw Mickey Hart yeah. in Sebastopol. I, I dissed Mickey Hart. I don't know. I, I, you like Mickey Hart, <laughs> but it's it's kind of like you 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 have oh, the moment shit. to to actually say something because you're face to face with Mickey Hart. Yeah, Mickey Hart smiled at me, and I looked down and frowned. <laughs> And he turned away. Of course. He did. he probably was tearing up. He was like, oh, this guy's going to know who I am. This is my home territory. And I was just... Rawr. Why Why, why did you do that to Mickey Hart? I don't know. That's terrible. I don't know. That's like when, when Caleb I think, gave... Uh, who was the guy? Yeah? No, that Glenn Scarpelli. When Caleb gave Glenn Scarpelli the double middle fingers. No, that's that's one of the funniest things I ever heard in my life. That is one of the funniest stories that, ever. That's out of being just completely ridiculous. Our friend Caleb, years and years and years ago, was at a uh, one of those New York City Thanksgiving Day parades, and Glenn Scarpelli was on one of the floats. I mean, and, uh, you know, 
Caleb said he was happy to see him. He was excited to see him. He knew who Glenn Scarpelli was, but for whatever reason, his reaction to seeing Glenn Scarpelli was to give him double middle fingers. That's... And he said, and Glenn Scarpelli looked so hurt. Did he say why? I don't know if he said why. He might have mouthed why. Why? Why? Because Glenn Scarpelli might have been 13 or 14. And uh, Caleb was probably a little younger than that. That's why Glenn Scarpelli dropped out of the industry. Yeah, Caleb ruined it forever. One of my my favorite funny stories, because I can see Glenn Scarpelli in my head, like smiling, and then the smiling, the smile turning upside down to that that sad face and just going, why? Oh, man. So you, maybe that was in your mind when you dissed Mickey Hart. Maybe you wanted your own story about... Um, being hurtful. I don't know. I think it was out of... I I slightly embarrassed to say anything to him, I think. Why? I I just felt like I was being... Like, I was like... Not intimidated, but like kind of like... I didn't know what to say to him, so I kind of looked away. So you... But it came off as me... It came off like I was being like mean or like dissing him, but it was really not... That wasn't my intention, but I know that it came off that way. Just... That was just an awful way to be. Like his expression went from smiling to like disappointment in in about three seconds. It was just subtle, and there was no reason. I mean, who am I? But, like, I'm, I don't know. You should have sent him an email th- afterwards. Let me tell you something else that's totally ridiculous. One Uh-oh. time I was at the bottom line. Yeah. And uh, Merle Saunders was playing. Okay. And I'm, like, third row, and he's up there at his organ play, uh, getting ready to play in the middle of a song. And I was fucking high as a motherfucker. Oh, God. And he looks down at me, and he starts smiling, and he goes... <laughs> You got a beautiful smile. <laughs> and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. It was hysterical, man. Somehow he caught my eye and I was beaming and he was just like, you got a beautiful smile. Oh, well, that was very nice of you, Merle Saunders. <laughs> it was hysterical. That's absurd. That's oh, that's shit. That's amazing. I, that's, that's great. Uh, my brushes with greatness have been. I saw. Uh, I saw Paul Schaefer. I was stuck in traffic, and he was stuck in traffic in his Mercedes, nah. facing me. And you know, you just kind of like look around because you're just waiting. And I look around, and he's <clears throat> he's in his vehicle, and he sees me looking at him, and I stare at him like, wait a second. And then I kind of nod at him like, hey, I know who you are. And he nods back as if to say, yes, you do know who I am. <laughs> and so I just gave him a wave, and he gave me a wave, and then we kept That's on funny. driving through. But uh, it, it's really weird to see people uh, in person sometimes. You kind of don't know what to think. Even though it was New York City, and you kind of, you know, and Paul Schaefer in New York City is not a rarity. But I saw Paul Schaefer in a convenience store on uh, 8th Street and 6th Avenue once. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, uh, you know, online in front or behind me or something. And I acknowledged who he was and he kind of just, he kind of nodded. Yeah. I mean, he does, he wasn't a dick, but he yeah. doesn't want to. I mean, and this was all way before the selfie, you know. I remember when Pete was recording with him and he says, get that kid in here. He's got that really good smelling weed. Oh, really? I think that's what Pete told me. They were recording uh, Blues Traveler 4. Pete was on sitar. Well, now that we've mentioned Blues Traveler, 
They are my third band. What the fuck? I told you this show was gonna go swimmingly. I cannot tell you how much I love or loved Blues Traveler. Um, I uh, In the 80s, I started uh, hanging out at this new club called The Wetlands in uh, Tribeca. And it was an awesome club and awesome bands played there. Um, and Blues Traveler was one I would travel in from Jersey to see whenever they were there. Uh, there was a few other places I would see them, but usually it was it was Wetlands. And I remember the first time I saw them, I was I was just blown away. I had first of all it was packed, and this was probably I don't know eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine, somewhere in there. And um, the place was packed. It's where I met uh, Squisherman. Uh huh. And uh, there was just so many people my age just dancing, just dancing and having a blast. And these songs were amazing. The singer was great. It was it was an event, and it was it, it was. I hadn't experienced anything that fun ever up to that point. And I, I just kept going to shows, buying the first record, the second record, the third. Loved it to the point where I was even at one of the uh, shoots for one of their... their um, Video. One of their videos, yeah, Runaround. Yeah. Me and James, Wheelchair James, were uh, at that together. And I just loved them. And honestly... They're kind of not looked at fondly. I mean, they're not looked at as badly as, say, Spin Doctors for whatever reason. Spin Doctors is an, another amazing band musically, uh, live and an incredible experience. And Blues Traveler and Spin Doctors used to play on the same nights at, uh, at Wetlands. Here's the problem. Okay, I'm not done, but all right. Popper's got a bad vibe, man. Popper does have a well, he did. I don't know that he still, he still does. does. He engages in fights uselessly with people on Twitter, and it makes him look like a schmuck. Well, you know, I mean, this is the problem. Uh, Twitter's a Twitter's a toxic place, and you only have so many characters to get your point across. So sometimes you just you just cut to the chase instead of saying, you know what, I disagree with you, and uh, I think maybe you're an uneducated asshole, it's, hey, fuck you, you suck, and then boom. So, you know, I, I, not everybody can do Twitter well. That's, that's for darn sure. But uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if he had a bad vibe. I mean, he had. They had four records, uh, five records that I thought were great. The problem, I think, uh, they didn't. They didn't. Well, I think Bobby died, and for me, that kind of that took the wind out for me. I was we were opening for Popper one time. Uh, Popper comes up to me and says, "Man, you sounded really good today," and we hadn't even played today. Well, I mean, he what was, does that even? What? How do you sound good if you didn't even play? Maybe he was thinking of the day before. I'm and thinking he's been, full of shit. But had you played the day before with him? I don't know. I'm just saying he might have been on cocaine and stayed up. No, all day. he's not on cocaine. I don't think he was on cocaine. I just I, think he I was on. I don't. I just think he's. I just think that's just you know. Sometimes you say, "Oh, you're great. You sound great, man. You sound great." You don't really mean it. Yeah, but he could have not said anything. Yeah, I just uh, got a weird vibe. I, no, I've gotten weird vibes from him, too. But, I mean, nothing that would make me not like them. But uh, <clears throat> when their bassist, Bobby, passed away in, uh, I guess, 99, was it? Yeah. I could, to was me, it 99? It was I, right around there, yeah. It was right around there. Uh, to me, he was the, like the, the Mike Anthony of the band or the Ace Frehley of the band. The, uh, the guy that you could... Uh, you could relate to for some reason, whether it's, you know, he bummed a cigarette from you or you just, you know, could he, he would sit and talk with you over a beer or a shot or whatever. He was the most accessible. So, uh, he, I don't think he was a great player at all. And he sat in with first house a few times. He was good for what he was. He was the big part of why that band was famous. I don't think that band would have been successful without him. He, he, he ha- Bobby had a really great, Persona. friendly vibe. Yes, it was. And he's a good roots bass player. And they were coming off a good blues bass player. They were coming off like they were a blues band that was also psychedelic. They were. Uh, those days, those early days, man, uh, this is way before I knew you, uh, I, I I could not wait to get to my next Blues Traveler show. I could not wait to sit there and, and meet with up with the people I've seen, you know, every other time there. People like Squish. Uh, Squish was Dave's roadie. Uh, not Dave's roadie, but the roadie for First House. Um, and I just have a total opposite reaction to, to that. To, to Blues Traveler? Yeah. Yeah, you don't like them, do you? I mean, you've played with them a, a few times. Yeah. I saw them for the first time at Kenny's Castaways, early 89. Yes. And I thought they were just a sloppy bar band. There you go. And then uh, the same year, uh, I saw, because they opened for us. No, we opened for them at the pool bar, uh, the Spin Doctors. Pool bar was on 4th Street and Broadway, I think. Okay, I've never been there. I saw them in 89. They played after us. It was we played. It was empty. Me, Craig, and a couple other people. Dryer Brothers. No, it was the Whales. Okay. Craig Dryer, Massa, myself, Mike Parrish. It was Mike Parrish's band. Okay. Anyway, we played for like five people, and as we stopped playing, the people start streaming in. It becomes packed. For who? For Spin Doctors. Okay. Packed. Four of them get on stage. I remember at the time, Living Color had just come out, the band. Right. And they had the same kind of like energy as that cult of personality thing. It was like, I don't know, something about it. Like I compared the two in my head and I was like, I just thought right away, I was like, oh man, this is the band I want to be in. 
I was like, I want to be in a band like this. Yeah. They're playing music that's like funky, like the Chili Peppers. They got a crazy lead singer. It was funky. It was like, I was like way, way impressed. Yeah. The same year, I was blown away by the Spin Doctors. I was not interested in Traveler. Really? Yeah. I liked both. Um, Spin Doctors, to me... Uh, I, Bass and drums <laughs> and Spin Doctors was, was on point. Yeah. Aaron Comez and Mark White uh, were... And I, Eric Shankman placed circles around Chan. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I think the thing I loved most about Blues Traveler was... John Popper and Bobby, um, Chan made me laugh because even in like the late 80s, he would have like a fan on the stage to be blowing his hair. Mm. And I'm sure it was to keep him cool, but it just really looked cheesy rock video-ish. And, he, and it was like every time and it was, it made me, it, I, I thought it was hysterical, but Popper on that fucking harmonica playing it like an other like a whole other thing not like a harmonica and he he it was it was amazing his harmonica playing to me was amazing and then he could whistle he could he could whistle like a bird and he could do all it was i was i was i was blown away by him and then when you really listen to the lyrics of the songs i was just like these songs are fucking amazing and I, I did see Blues Traveler before I saw Spin Doctors, but Spin Doctors were also a very big deal to me. Um, but Chris Barron slept with one of my friends who eventually passed away, so I just, he leaves a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> but I did love the songs up until a point. And uh, I also didn't like that MTV was calling them alternative. I didn't think of them as alternative. <coughs> I thought of them as like a funk rock band, just like, you know, I, I I did not think of them as alternative, and then he fucking grew that weird beard, and he I, I don't know he didn't he changed he changed I think to fit that MTV mold uh, I don't know maybe it was uh, an unconscious conscious thing he did unconscious thing he did but uh, I didn't I didn't like it so much but Blues Traveler were you know, we're my do or die band, ride or die, uh, up until from 89 to 99. And then when Bobby died, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't listen anymore. I don't know any of their new songs. I just couldn't. He, he meant so much to me as just a fan of it's the band. It's not even that, honestly. Their music sucks. Okay. Their new music sucks. I don't know about that. They I haven't changed. listened to it. Bobby left the band and they, ch- they changed. Well, he they didn't got leave Chad's, the band. Chan's brother on on bass. Yeah. So now you got two fucking Kinchlas in the band. Well, now you're fucked. Yeah. You might as well be Van Halen. What do you mean? You oh. got two brothers in the band. How are you going to contend with that? Then they add a cheesy keyboard player. Yeah. And then you're stuck with fucking the drummer who's an asshole. Fuck those guys. Okay. Terrific. I did have a weird moment with the drummer once when I was at Wetlands. I went there early. Um... <clears throat> to just drink by myself or whatever, walk around. There's so many things to see there. And the drummer, what's his name? Brendan. Brendan Hill, right? Yeah. He's Brandon, Brendan, Brandon, Brendan whatever. He's sitting at, at a table alone, and I, I kind of recognized him as being the drummer for Blues Traveler. And I was like, oh, hey, hi, how are you? I'm, you know, I'm Shecky. 
and uh, his girlfriend came out of nowhere, like just flew over as if I was trying to pick up her. The, the truth of the matter is it was Wetlands way before a gig was supposed to play. Oh, it his was, girlfriend, the one uh, that Matt Dreyer stole from him. It was, it, was, uh-huh. it was empty as fuck. And so I'm just like making, it's like when you walk into a, a, an empty room and there's only one other person, you, you say something, you know? And she came out of nowhere. I don't know, maybe she'd been in the bathroom. She flew over to his side and I'm like, oh, hi. And I said, you know, I introduced myself. And uh, I wasn't trying to sit down. I was on my way to the bar. And he's like, yeah, my name's Charlie. I was like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. And she just gave me a look. And then I just went to the bar to get my drink. And uh, later I realized his name isn't Charlie. What a weird thing to say. And the girlfriend was like insanely jealous. I mean, if you're going to have a guy that's in a band... You gotta have to let go a little bit, or don't go. But I find that ironic that she's so jealous when she ended up leaving him. And dude, I mean, Matt. it's not like I was a ten walking in, you know. And then I think she went back to him. So, well, cuck you. So here we are gossiping about uh, a band that I thought should have made it bigger, but somehow now we've turned them into assholes. So again, my my fucking band, Dave does not like my choices. All right, do you have another choice? What's your third band? Is it your third or your fourth? Mm, oh, it's your fourth. fourth. What, who's, what is your fourth pick, Dave? Fourth and final pick. Fourth pick. Final pick. Well. Well. Not gonna that. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. That's your Dana Carvey impression. That's not your George Bush impression, right? Wouldn't be pertinent. Yeah. Not Prudent. gonna that. Prudent. Prudent. Not gonna that. Prudent. That. Okay. Okay, so uh, I got a couple here. Let's see what I like more. Okay. Hmm. <coughs> okay, going back to the Bay Area over here. You love the Bay Area. Another obscure artist from the Bay Area. All right. Now, in my opinion. Yes? This man is one of the greatest guitar players I've ever heard in my life. All right. Now, he's not Pete. Pete is one of the best Pete is one of the greatest guitarists, without a doubt. Yes. But I don't want to be self-indulgent. Well, that's not self-indulgent. That's indulging Pete. Well, I'm just saying, I'm I'm tied in with that, so it's kind of like, you know, promoting. We've hitched our wagon to Pete. So what I'm saying is this guy's name is Chris Kane. Chris Kane.
That's uh, that's amazing. So what do what do we know about Chris Kane? Chris Kane. Chris Kane is a is another San Francisco Bay Area legend. He's not known barely by anyone outside of San Francisco. But he's the best of San Francisco. He is the best guitar player playing out in that area, in my opinion. Uh, he's known by people, but he's just not widely known. Uh, and that recording there is from 1992. But the stuff he does now is 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 as good. I just like that because it's a certain funky thing. But he plays more traditional blues now. But he's he's just he's amazing, amazing, great player with a great sense of humor and great vibe. Who told you about him? Uh, Steve Evans, the Steve bass player who is one of the best bass players I ever worked with. He's a Bay Area staple. Yeah, he plays with all the big. Like I said, the guys who play with the big guys in San Francisco. There's a handful of them. Steve Evans is is like first call bass player. Yeah, yeah, always busy. So yeah, Steve is this guy's bass player, and uh, oh, is that true? Mm-hmm. I see. Well, it says here on Wikipedia, Chris Kane is an American blues and jazz guitarist with an international following. He began playing professionally as a teenager in local clubs, at festivals, and at private events. He received four Blues Music Award nominations in 1987 for his debut album, Late Night City Blues. Yeah, so he's, you can see he's been at it forever. Including Guitarist of the Year. <clears throat> it says uh, he signed to Blind Pig Records in 1990 and released his second album, Cut and Loose. Then released Can't Buy a Break in 1992 and Somewhere Along the Way in 1995. 2018 brought more nominations, including Blues Music Awards Guitarist of the Year, Blues Blast Awards Best Male Blues Artist, and Best Contemporary Blues Album for the 2017 release, Chris Kane. The other thing about Chris Kane is he sings like he's B.B. King. Oh, yeah? He sounds almost exactly like B.B. King, which is insane. (laughs) So he sings like B.B. King, he plays guitar like a cross between B.B. King and Larry Carlton, basically. Larry Carlton's the guitar player for Steely Dan back in the 70s. He sounds great to me. Yeah, he's amazing. Amazing, unknown guitar player. Wow. Well, one thing you could say about him is occasionally he has a slight intonation problem where maybe a couple of notes are out of tune, but that's been nitpicky, and I, I, who, who cares when he's that good? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, and visually, watching it on a video, it's even, it's even better, right? Yeah, he's amazing, and he's uh, he's even funnier now. Like the stuff from '92, he's a pretty serious young guy then. Now he's like got a sense of humor and a little more laissez-faire attitude. Look at you! It's fucking funny. He's half black, half Greek. Yeah, he's. Uh, oh no, is he? Is it? I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I don't know that that matters much, but okay. Doesn't say here what. Anyway, yeah, Chris Kane, amazing. Chris Kane, uh, yeah, I agree with that. He's, I, other than that uh, Johnny Otis song, which I think is hysterical and great, uh, I think he's my, my f- no, because I, I did like Lydia Pence too. I guess the Bay Area has a great music scene that just doesn't, or I won't say doesn't, I'm going to say isn't allowed to go much further than the Bay Area for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's isolated and it's amazing. 
I mean, every every town has their their local artists. Yeah. Um, San Francisco has world class artists who are not world class, who have not travel or who have not gained world class recognition. And even with the internet, you would think maybe they would, but nope, still no. I mean, it says he has an international following. He might play festivals in Europe, but it's not. No, it's not huge. I mean, this is Wikipedia. Yeah. He he could have written, written, that, written exactly. that right. Um, wow. Well, what do you think about today's show? Was there? Uh, I like it. Okay, good. All right, well, that concludes today's show. I think Dave had more bands, but... No, it's good. We got to... Look, oh. musically, I dig what you're saying about Blues Traveler. I just happen to know them personally, and I know for a fact that Bobby was the only one of those guys who had any fucking soul at all. Yes. The other ones got shot guys. And you, you don't know, even do, mean do, like... Do, I, the black eyes like a doll. You don't even mean like soul, like playing. You mean soul in his person. Yeah. Yes. I'm I, telling you. Yes. I've, I've experienced it. People I don't know have been way friendlier to me than yeah. these guys who are supposedly like our friends. Yeah. I was never friendly with any of them. I, I had a few run-ins with Popper, mostly because I was with James. And it's very weird how people feel like they have to be nice to people in wheelchairs. <laughs> and it's was fucking hysterical how James knew it and just played it and played it and played it for for good seats. For I mean, God, James and I went to a Grateful Dead show at some point in Madison Square Garden, and they had these you know special seats that were wheelchair seats, and they weren't very good at all. So James got out of his wheelchair and crawled down these cement steps and made a huge scene of it. I mean, a huge scene of a guy who's... He, he, had, he had no use of his legs, okay? And he, he just crawled like a lizard down these steps, these cement steps, to a better section where there, were no, there was nobody seated. And what, what were these people going to do? The ticket takers, the people who were walking up and down the aisle... They just watched him crawl to the a better seat. What were they going to do? Tell him no? Get the fuck back to your seat? And there I was, you know, with his wheelchair folded up, carrying it down with me. They they weren't going to say a thing. They couldn't say a thing, and he fucking knew it. It, it was it was an amazing, an amazing and terrible thing to watch. And uh, God bless him. God rest his soul. James was. Uh, was ready to use his wheelchair-bound uh, status for t- <laughs> to to get anything to get to get a better spot to get a free beer to get a free cigarette uh, whatever it took to get pretty girls around him he worked it he worked it good anyway um if you want to know more or you want to listen to more of our podcasts, uh, you may have Why missed... Why isn't there a black wheelchair-bound transvestite running for president? There they might would, be. They would get the vote, right? They would Who would get, vote against that on the left? Everyone on the left would vote for that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't... They'll have to find one or create one. I'm sure they might. It's probably You've probably put the idea in someone's head now. Um... You can uh, check out more of our podcasts and subscribe to uh, many of the platforms we are on at our website at middleagedcoolkids.com. 
You can follow us, really me, on Twitter at middleagedcool. And uh, if you want to leave comments on uh, either YouTube or BitChute or uh, Twitter because uh, you have something you want to say to Dave, please feel free to do that. I am in constant communication with Dave. No! <laughs> Whether he likes it or not. Uh, I'm working are. on this thing, shit boot. I think it's got shit a future. Shit boot is not nearly as good as BitChute. BitChute, oh. uh, BitChute we're doing very well on. Very well on, so... I was also a big fan of Shitter. Oh. Uh, swipe me on Shitter. Swipe or wipe me. me on Shitter, for that matter. Okay. Dave. But I guess that wasn't going to work. Dad jokes, dad jokes, dad jokes, dad jokes. Hey, anyway. uh, okay. wait, what's the one I came up with the other day? Uh, the, did it involve the N-word? No. Well, that was it this morning. It involved the uh, hen-word. No, it involved, uh, you're going to have to edit this out. Shite. All right. Anyway, um, you have anything you want to plug, Dave? Oh, if you were a marathon dancer and you danced for 10 years, would that be considered decadence? Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> Real hysterical. It's a laugh a minute here. I'm going to be on the Rabbi Shmuley show. Uh, please. Oh, I hate no, Rabbi I'm Shmuley. I'm, pl- I'm, pl- I'm playing the fuzz on his beard. Oh, he's gross. He grosses me out. There's something about him. I just don't like Rabbi Shmuley. All right. Anyway, uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, if you haven't read Plague Book One, The Girl Who Chased the Shadows, please do Get read on it. it, man. What the fuck are you waiting for? It is free if you are on that Amazon reader's... Uh, I think you... Amazon has this thing that if you pay like nine bucks a month, you read all of their books for free. So if you're like a voracious reader, like all of their Kindle books, you can just grab uh, any book you want and, and read and read and read. I don't think the school systems are pumping out voracious readers anymore. I know. What the fuck? Anyway, that we're, we, have, we are out of time, David. All right. We cannot start a new subject. All right, everybody, uh, be good to each other, and don't forget to uh, tune in next week for our next episode, and we'll, we don't know uh, at all what that's going to be about. Any parting words, Dave? Uh, ignorance is strength, bro. Okay. War is peace, man. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.